Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast. The Make My Way Back Home When I Learn to Fly edition. As we pick apart a bitterly disappointing season opening loss to the LA Chargers with radio replays, post game comments from players and coaches, and Dave Lapham's in depth analysis. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Prime Sport, the official hospitality partner of the Cincinnati Bengals. And here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean. It's the greatest thing since my job. I've dreamed of broadcasting NFL games for as long as I can remember, and trust me, I never take the privilege of being one of 32 NFL team radio voices for granted. Despite Sunday's finish, it was a joy to be back in the booth with Dave Lapham and our great crew on Sunday, and we can't wait to do it again on Thursday night. Now, let's get to this week's three-point loss to the Chargers. The highly anticipated start of the Joe Burrow era got off to a bit of a shaky start offensively as the Bengals had to punt on their first three drives. But the fourth ended with Joe's first NFL touchdown. Empty backfield, five wides. As Burrow waits for the shotgun snap on second and 10 from the Chargers 23, he runs a quarterback draw. Trey Hopkins with a great block on the 10, five, touchdown. As Joe Burrow's first NFL touchdown comes on a 23-yard run on a beautifully called quarterback draw. And Burrow made the call. He looked at the Chargers defense and audibled to the QB draw to give the Bengals a 7-0 lead. But they weren't able to add to that lead in the first half despite consistently having great field position. Their average drive start on six first-half possessions was the 37-and-a-half, and yet they only came away with seven points. Here's Zach Taylor. Yeah, that, that's the most disappointing part of the game. As our, our defense and special teams um, were winning the field position battle for us. We didn't capitalize on it in offense. We had some opportunities again in the third quarter that we didn't hit. And... Uh, You know, that's just what it comes down to. The Chargers kicked a pair of field goals in the second quarter, and at the half, the Bengals led 7-6. Burrow was sacked three times and hit six times in the first half, but he wasn't hit at all over the final two quarters. Here's Jonah Williams. Yeah, I think we settled down. Obviously, you know, we weren't protecting like we need to and like we should have in the first half. Um, You know, obviously they have great rushers, but it really comes down to us just not doing our jobs. Um... And so I think, you know, as the game wore on, we kind of settled in and started to understand, you know, how to beat uh, this specific front. And, you know, it wasn't perfect the whole game, um, but it did get a little bit better as we got, you know, more comfortable. With better protection, Burrow had two shots at long touchdown passes in a span of three snaps in the third quarter, barely overthrowing John Ross in the back of the end zone from 35 yards out and then missing a wide-open A.J. Green at the goal line from 31 yards out. Still, 50- and 43-yard field goals by Randy Bullock allowed the Bengals to take a 13-6 lead to the fourth quarter. It didn't last as the Chargers pulled even early in the fourth. Virgil Green checks in as a blocking tight end, and the pounding running back, Joshua Kelly, is into the game. Out of a pistol formation, second and goal from the five. Taylor gives it to Kelly, and he'll run it into the end zone for the Chargers' first touchdown of the day. Joshua Kelly's five-yard run tied the game, and when the Bengals got the ball back, 
they promptly coughed it up. Double tight ends on second and 10. The Bengals at their own 25 in a tie game. 12-20 left in regulation. It's a run to the right. Mixon oh. fumbles the football. And the Chargers recover at the Cincinnati 24-yard line. The first turnover of the day for either team. Denzel Perryman forcing a fumble out of Joe Mixon, who never fumbles the football. Coming into this game, Joe Mixon had carried more than 500 times without a fumble, and he gives it up in his own territory in the fourth quarter. The defense held the Chargers to a field goal, but that gave L.A. a 16-13 lead. Joe Burrow promptly drove the offense to the Chargers' 23-yard line before he made a critical mistake. Burrow drops back to pass again. Here comes Bosa. Burrow moving to his left. Oh, Shovel pass no. intercepted by Melvin no. Ingram. There's a penalty flag down as Burrow's shovel pass, intended for Giovanni Bernard, was picked off by defensive end Melvin Ingram. Ineligible receiver down the football field as Joe Burrow tried to throw it, so that's what the penalty flag is. That's not going to help the Bengals' cause. It's a turnover. Two turnovers for the Bengals on back-to-back -back drives in the fourth quarter. Zero turnovers for the Chargers in the game. And that was the bottom line, according to Zach Taylor. Killed us. I mean, we, you know, we went into the second half saying if we're going to win the turnover battle, we're going to win the game. And, and it certainly didn't work out that way, and, and, and the Chargers got us. So hats off to them. Uh, but that part's disappointing. And yet the Bengals were still in position to win. Burrow got the ball back at his own 18-yard line with 3.08 to go and no timeouts and executed a near-perfect drive, going 8 for 11 for 70 yards and throwing what could have been a dramatic game-winning touchdown. Three receivers left, A.J. Green out to the right. Shotgun snap, Burrow from the 10-yard line, throws for Green. Penalty flag That's, down. A.J. comes down with the ball. There's no touchdown signal, oh, and he's called for offensive pass interference. Oh. oh, man, that is a tough call at the top of the route. Unbelievable. A.J. Green, they called him. They're, they're doing hand-to-hand -hand combat at the top of the route. They both have their hands on each other. They call A.J. Green for a push-off, and it was sold big time by the defensive back. That's Casey Hayward. Here are A.J. Green and Joe Burrow on the call. Well, for one, he uh, clamping me the whole time coming off the ball, so within five yards. So if you're going to call that, we can call that both ways, but they made the call. Bang, bang play. This, at the end of the day, you know, I made too many, stake, too many mistakes to win the game, and we just didn't make enough plays. So, you know, whether that call goes our way or not, a lot of calls are going to go uh, a lot of different ways throughout the game. And, you know, I made missed, two, missed AJ on a deep ball, missed John on a deep ball, and then threw the interception. That, that just can't happen. The penalty moved the ball back to the 13-yard line, and with seven seconds to go, Taylor called on Bullock to attempt a 31-yard field goal to force overtime. Bullock two for two so far today. The snap is good. The kick is wide oh, no. right. Oh, he no. missed it. Oh, and the no. Chargers hold on to the lead with two seconds to go. And Bullock is hurt. Bullock immediately grabbed his lower leg after missing the kick. Yeah, on the last play, for whatever reason, during the kicking motion, my, uh, my left calf just grabbed real hard. So, uh, obviously, that's not the... Not an excuse. Uh, that's a kick that I make 99 times out of 100. Uh, it was a, a freak deal. Um, I, I wish I had a better answer for what transpired. Uh, it seemed like just for whatever reason, a, a calf grabbed and it, uh, it affected the play. Instead of a thrilling last-second victory, Joe Burrow's debut ended in a three-point loss. How did he grade his performance? D. Like you D. said, I can't. Yeah, D. I can't. I mean, I can't miss that one to AJ. That's 
you know, a high schooler can make that throw, and then I can't throw the ball right to Melvin Ingram and, and give them the ball back when we're in scoring range. So, um, tough way to lose. But his coaches and teammates had a much different opinion. As Zach Taylor and A.J. Green marveled at Burrow's poise under pressure in the final three minutes. That's what we expect. You know, that's he just moves on to the next play, and I'm sure he's disappointed that he had the turnover. Um, but again, you, you don't sense that at all from him on the sidelines. He's focused on what he's got to get done. And he went out there and, and put us in position to go down there and, and win or tie the game. It's unbelievable. Man, that guy don't flinch. Um, I was very – the way he handled himself on the last drive was unbelievable. No rookie I have seen the, the way he handled it after adversity. Um, so, you know, we got a special one in Joe, and we're going to be better next week, and we're going to build this thing brick by brick. And uh, – Get better each week. Jonah Williams gets the last word on the Bengals' first loss. It's tough because, you know, in this league, like, there's no, you know, you you just have to own it. And there's no, like, you can't feel sorry for yourself. You can't sit there and say, oh, well, we should have won, even though, you know, I would agree that it was definitely a game we could have won. But at the end of the day, it really just comes down to, we didn't execute like we needed to on offense. Um, you know, the defense played well, but there are obviously things that could have done better. Um, you know, so it's definitely something where you can look and say that we could have won, we should have won, whatever you want to say. But at the end of the day, we just didn't, you know, do what it uh, took to win. Last season began with a one-point loss in Seattle. And that's where I began my post-game chat with Dave Lapham. All right, Lap, for the second straight year, it felt to me like the Bengals lost an opening game that they should have won. Last year in Seattle, they outplayed the Seahawks, did not come away with a W. In this game, two fourth quarter fourth quarter turnovers absolutely killed them, and then all that happened in the final 10 seconds of the game. Yeah, I mean, when you look back at last year for this, uh, the L.A. Chargers, they were minus 17 in the turnover department. They had 31 giveaways, none tonight. Tyrod Taylor is known as a guy that takes care of the football. His mantra is just don't screw it up at the quarterback position. And ultimately, uh, that won the football game for them. Um, Joe Burrow had a a, a very unusual interception on a backhanded shovel pass on a screen that he was trying to accomplish. And Ingram made a great play. I mean, Pro Bowl player made a great play. And Joe Mixon had the fumble. It gave him a short field and, and a touchdown on that short field. So, yeah, I mean, those... Those two turnovers, the Bengals are going in to put points on the board, and they turn it over and then gave short field for, you know, touchdown. That's a minimum of a 10-point swing, maybe more. Joe Burrow graded himself a D. Is he too harsh? Tough grader, you know. I mean, I, I think he, he's, he's all about wins and losses. Um, you know, the fact is, I think he's, he's obviously disappointed with himself overthrowing A.J. Green, who beat the linebacker like a drum. He was open by 10 yards or more, and he didn't make that throw. Felt like he overthrew John Ross. I I didn't think John found the football. I thought the ball was, like, right through his hands. It looked like that was a catchable ball, but he said he's going to put the ball in John Ross's chest. A good quarterback does that. He deflects all the credit, takes all the blame, and that's what he's doing. So he he understands that part of it for sure. Um, But the, the, in my mind, very positive thing after that, you know, boneheaded shovel pass interception. He goes down the field with no timeouts and almost wins the football game. A.J. Green catches a touchdown pass that's nullified by offensive pass interference that would have won the football game. Tells me a lot about Joe Burrow. Compartmentalize, move on, forget about that, try to make plays, can't do anything about the mistakes, go make up for them. 
if he does that, he's going to have a long, successful career. Well, let's talk about the final drive. The Bengals got the ball back with 3.08 to go. No timeouts at their own 18-yard line. Burrow went 8 for 11 for 70 yards. He also had a seven-yard scramble, I think, on the first play of the drive. Of the three incompletions, one was a spike. One was a kind of a deep ball for A.J. Green that was incomplete. The other was a great pass to John Ross that he bobbled going out of bounds. Should have been a nine-yard gain. So, basically, 308, no timeouts to go. He drives down the field, throws a game-winning touchdown pass that gets wiped out. But even taking that into consideration, he sets up his kicker for a 31-yard field goal that, you know, 98% of the time is supposed to force overtime. Yeah, and and then the kicker ends up injuring his his kicking calf. Uh, Hopefully... I'm hoping it's a cramp because during COVID-19, where the hell are you going to find a kicker on a short week to go to Cleveland? <laughs> it's going to be interesting. I mean, if he can't go, that's a tough, tough deal. I mean, very tough deal. What, what's out there? I, I really don't know. Hopefully there's something out there. But that's a, that's a huge factor, I think, in that football game uh, coming up less than 100 hours from now. So, um, yeah, I mean, Joe Burrow, to me, is so poker-faced, so cool, calm, and collected. He is definitely Cool Hand Joe. I mean, nothing – I remember the 49er players talking about Joe Montana in the huddle in Super Bowl twenty-three when he went down for the game-winning touchdown drive. He's saying to the guys, hey, look, there's John Candy over on the sideline just loosening guys up, you know. That's Joe Burrow. He's, I, I think he has a lot of Joe Montana makeup to him, which I know is saying a lot – and he's getting a lot of praise, and he's generational player and all this and that. But the guy has something to him now. He's got some fiber. And uh, I think uh, I think he made a very, very favorable impression on his teammates once again, offensively, defensively, special teams, by what he did on that last drive with no timeouts. Your point about the kicker is really interesting to me. If the injury to Bullock is significant, you've probably got to grab somebody off another team's practice squad and somebody that can get here quickly to start going through the protocol in order to be available on Thursday. You probably will not be able to practice with him. Um, You're just going to have to hope that he can clear protocol because he will already be in the system. So there shouldn't be any problems there, but it does take a few days when you change teams. And then... He'll get his first opportunities to practice with your snapper and holder on game day, maybe? Unbelievable. I mean, I, th- I think COVID-19 with a short week, a Thursday night game, hellacious problem. Massive. You know, I don't know. Kevin Huber lining up from 43 yards out to, uh, to kick a field goal instead of hold for the field goal. That, that, would, be, that would be just absolutely crazy. But, yeah, it's, you know, hopefully – Hopefully it's uh, something that uh, that Randy Bullock can recover from. Maybe he just landed awkwardly and cramped. I don't know. You know, if he wasn't taking fluids, it was humid tonight. Maybe he lost more fluids than he thought. Maybe he ended up just cramping. I don't know. Uh, one can only hope. But if, if it is a pull, that it's a very, very minor pull. But if you're a place kicker and you have a calf pull in your kicking leg, that ain't good. <laughs> it's not a good deal. I don't care how minor the pull is. And, you know, there's a bunch of muscles in the calf. You know, there's big ones, little ones. It's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a complex area to have, have an issue if you're trying to, you know, blast kickoffs and field goals. There's no doubt. Let's talk about the O-line. You haven't seen any tape yet. We're talking about this game immediately in the press box after broadcasting it. But what would you think about Jonah Williams? Obviously, 
Joey Bosa gave Bobby Hart fits. That's why he's making $27 million a year as the highest paid defensive player in the NFL. And then Billy Price wound up playing right guard toward the tail end of the game when Xavier Suofilo went out. Yeah, and I, I thought I thought in the second half the offensive line played much better than they did in the first half, and that's when Billy was you know in the football game in the second half, so there wasn't any glaring thing there, but there's no doubt. I mean, when we played the Raiders, Howie Long back in the day would go up and down the offensive line and see what everybody had in terms of pass protection and then settle in. And if you were the guy he settled in on, it was like, you were the fish, man. So he got to pick which guy he wanted to rush on. Yeah, because he could rush from anywhere. Howie Long was the man. And uh, looks like Joey Bosa, you know, he can rush from both end positions. And looks like, you know, they said, you know, give it a feel him out and see where see where you, you feel like you might have your best opportunity. And he ended up settling over Bobby Hart more than Jonah Williams for sure. So, um, and, and honestly, you know, I'd have, I'd have to look to see how much help he got. But I would have given Bobby Hart more because when I see an offensive lineman, what Bobby did in the first half, duck. When I see an offensive lineman duck his head and take his eyes off targets and everything else, I see a guy that's in a panic mode. That's just, you can't pass protect anybody ducking your head, bringing your shoulders and everything closer to the defender who's got unbelievable hands and strength and strength in his hands and everything else. I mean, you just, you're, you're beating yourself as well as him beating you. So, um, yeah, that, but I, it seems like from what people were saying after the game in the offensive line that the Chargers came out with a wrinkle, with a nuance in their in their defensive front that caused some assignment errors, assignment problems for the Bengals' offensive line. And they, uh, they definitely um, ran the ball better, pass protected better in the second half when they made, they made adjustments. I guess they couldn't make them as quickly as they needed to or wanted to when they came off after every series in the first half. When they had time to get on a board at halftime and, and make some solid adjustments, it seems like they did that. So uh, I thought the performance was better in the second half for sure. I think the secondary was good. Will Jackson was very solid. Darius Phillips gave up that one deep ball to Mike Williams, but that's a tough matchup for him. Big guy, good downfield. A lot of tackles for Von Bell. Jesse Bates made a couple of plays. Kenzie Alexander was uh, really solid. Yeah, I thought so too. That There was a Hunter Henry, there was an assignment error between the second level and third level linebacker secondary where Hunter Henry got open by like five yards when, you know, that's the only glaring mental mistake where I say, whoa, I mean, wh- where is everybody or anybody? Um, other than that, I thought, I thought overall it was pretty solid as well. And I, I thought the tackling uh, wasn't atrocious, you know, I mean, these are NFL running backs, NFL receivers that are good run after catch. I mean, they get paid a lot of money to make you miss as, as much as you get paid to tackle them. So you're going to win some, you're going to lose some. But I didn't think that tackling was like, oh, my gosh. I mean, that's just – that's horrible. I thought uh, I thought they got people to the ground. Now, can it improve? Yeah, um, it, it can definitely improve. And I think, you know, in October, it's going to be a heck of a lot better than it is here in the uh, middle stages of September. I'll tell you what does bother me about this loss, though, from a Bengals perspective. I don't think the Chargers are any good. I mean, Tyrod Taylor is somewhere between the 28th and 32nd best starting quarterback in the NFL. He's carved out a long career. God bless him. But he's just not a good enough downfield thrower on a consistent basis to elevate a team. He is a I-won't-screw-it-up guy, and that was enough to get the job done. No doubt. They ran the ball well enough, and they played good enough defense. I mean, Bradley didn't turn it over. Didn't turn it over. He took care of the football. That's his mantra. You know, I, 
I'm, I'm going to uh, I'm going to make sure that I don't give the other team extra opportunities and extra possessions. So defense, I'm not going to betray you. You do your thing. I mean, this is a good defense. Gus Bradley puts together good defenses. I, you know, last year they were, you know, top five, fourth in the NFL and against the pass and scoring. Pretty good defense. And with a rookie quarterback and the offensive line dealing with the adjustments they needed to deal with with the defensive front, it took them a half to kind of fall into a little bit of rhythm. And, uh, you know, while all that was going on, um, I mean, the Bengals had big uh, average drive start field position advantages in the first half and two fourth down stops, and they didn't turn it over in the first half. They had a lead, but it was nowhere near what the lead should have been. Why? Chargers defense. Chargers defense bailed them out. And Tyrod Taylor did not betray the defense and put them in a very, very bad situation where, you know, like what happened with Joe's fumble, that short field that the Chargers took advantage of and, and scored their touchdown. I mean, they, they jumped on that opportunity and said, we can't let this go by. Touchdown and, uh, you know, different different ball game at that point in time. So, yeah, I don't think they're, you know, let's put it this way. They ain't going to threaten the Chiefs in the AFC West. I know that. I mean, the Kansas City, Kansas City Chiefs are going to have, you know, that's a different offensive club than what the Chargers face tonight. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Cleveland gets smoked by Baltimore. I don't know what their injury status is. The Bengals sustained some injuries tonight. You know, kicker, offensive lineman, defensive lineman. Uh, short week, how many of them are they going to have? How many injuries does Cleveland have? And if they have injuries, where are those injuries? And all that stuff to be determined at this point. 31-yard field goal to force overtime. You gotta make that freaking kick. Unbelievable. Unbel- and, he, and he drilled a 50-yarder. They miss one from 50. He makes one from 50. So he missed hit a missed hit a kickoff, and they brought it back out for big field position. Um, and then he missed hit the field goal. He had two miss hits. Both of them were critical. One of them points should have been on the board, and the other one allowed points to get on the board in a, in a hotly contested football game. Whereas otherwise, I mean, Darren Simmons and his group did their thing. You know, the special teams won, for the most part, that phase of the game in terms of dictating field position. And, uh, yeah, it came down to turnovers and missed kicks and the penalty situation. I mean, the, the A.J. Green thing. Now, did, did he push off the top of the route? Yeah. Was there chicken fighting going on earlier? Yeah. Could they have done an offset like they did when Jesse Bates and which receiver was it? Was it Williams? I can't remember who it was. They both lowered their head. Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen, yeah. Keenan Allen and uh, Jesse Bates. And they throw the penalty flag. Then they talk about it. And then they do over. An offset. Do the down over. That play, what which should, could have been a touchdown, a game-winning touchdown. Okay, I can see not allowing that to be a game-winning touchdown. But to penalize the Bengals when, you know, just do it, just offset it, just like they did on the other one, and and, uh, and do over, see what happens. Nah, baby, nah. Final thought, the Bengals are now 0-9 in one-score games under Zach Taylor. That, that's amazing, yeah. Game, games decided by eight points or less last year, 0-8. And this one, like you said, the Seattle game, could have gotten off to a, you know, like, a, a, every, I'm not saying it would have shocked the world, but it would have been like, whoa, that's a big win. The Bengals going to Seattle. And then if they could have pulled this one off today, 
but 0 for 2 on openers. We get to do this again, though, in four days. Looking forward to it. Here we go. Here's a quick reminder to join Lap and Lance McAllister for Bengals Line on Monday night from 6 to 9 on 700 WLW. Then I'll join Lap for the Bengals Game Plan Show on Wednesday night from 6 to 8 on ESPN 1530 as we look ahead to Thursday night football in Cleveland. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast brought to you by Prime Sport, the official hospitality partner of the Cincinnati Bengals. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe. And if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find this podcast. I'm Dan Horde, and thank you for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.